Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. In this episode, we're talking about the Watkin Jones Group and its involvement in the alternative residential market, particularly the student and built to rent sectors. Both sectors have been consistent performers in the real estate market over the last few years, and especially during the COVID pandemic, when the outlook for the real estate sector remains uncertain. Can they continue to provide steady returns in an uncertain COVID and post-Brexit environment? Hello, and welcome to the Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions podcast. I'm Ed Hughes Power, a partner in the real estate team at Mishcon Dorea, and I'm joined remotely by Alex Pease, Chief Investment Officer at Watkin Jones, the UK's leading developer and manager of residential for rent, with a focus on the built to rent and student accommodation sectors. Thank you, Alex, for giving up your time today. It's really appreciated. The Watkin Jones Group, originally founded in, in the Northwest from my neck of the woods. It's really been a bit of a success of late and the business has increased revenue year on year. What do you think is the secret to that success? Hi, Ed. I don't think it's a single secret. I think it's been a, it's a huge combination of hard work and, and evolution of the business. And I, I think it's really looked to take advantage of our historic roots and you know our contracting heritage and how we've managed to transfer that through to a development business and then onwards to becoming really a I guess what we'd call a vertically integrated platform where we have all the expertise in-house to secure new opportunities underwrite the sort of development risk and the technical risks drive the planning permissions internally and then we've got the contracting ability to build it and really understand that that key aspect of property development and then we've also got the operational arm in fresh who are able to sort of not only provide the operation to the customers but also give us valuable insights in terms of how we want to develop the buildings how we want to innovate how we want to take them forward so it has been an evolution of a business and you know we've graduated from that contractor mentality which is relatively insular and you're delivering someone else's product to that developer who wants to work with institutions and learn from them to now where we, we're sat, which is a developer who's really looking to take advantage of our customer insights and, and really be at the forefront of bringing product that people want to live in. So obviously, student accommodation has been one of the key parts of the business. You've moved into build to rent a few years ago. What, what was the reason for that? What attracted you to that sector? I think the key word here is synergies, and we very much enjoyed working in the student accommodation sector and we've learned a huge amount about how to build sort of residential for multi-occupancy and residential for rent and I guess really taking the themes about community and and really attracting people to live just not in a building but but in a place and, and a community with, with with others so when we started looking at build to rent we actually looked at the synergies between the two sectors and and we realized they were much more pronounced than perhaps we had first thought and, and they existed across a whole number of levels. So we could look at the geographic synergies. What drives student accommodation? Well, universities. What drives built rent? Well, you're really looking for employment zones and employment centers and employment centers quite typically come up where, where there's good higher education opportunities. So first off, the geography was very, very similar. We could target the same cities and towns um, for two different product types. I think that operational ethos then comes into play. And as I said, you know, the key thing that we do is is looking to create communities within buildings. And it's exactly the same ethos between build to rent and student accommodations. They're very, very similar operationally. And so we look to leverage our, our operational expertise on that side. 
I think equally we can look at the investment market and the investment underwrites for the sectors. And again, there's a huge number of institutions who are looking for overall exposure for the living sector, and that includes both PBSA and uh, Build to Rent. And so, again, it was a logical adjunct for us. So when, when we started adding all these these sort of similarities up, it, it did mm-hmm. sort of fall into the no-brainer camp for us to look to get involved. And would you look to the sort of third element of the rental market, which is a sort of senior living? Is that something you might consider in the future? I know you're focusing on student and build to rent and build to rent traditionally has really looked at the sort of what we call the young professionals, you know, early 20s to mid 30s type market. Would you ever consider moving into that sector as well? Yeah, absolutely. Our manifest as a developer, we want to be the UK's leading developer in residential for rent as a whole. And you know, residential for rent is is a broad church, and we do see the lines blurring between a lot of these sort of subsectors. So, absolutely, our involvement in student accommodation, build to rent, we're looking to extend into co living, which is another one of these sort of nascent living sectors. But yeah, we can easily see ourselves looking at that retirement living for rent, and uh, we think it's underpinned by very attractive demographics. There are again sort of huge similarities in the construction process and the operational ethos so i I think again it'd be a no-brainer for us to start looking into that sector makes sense i mean you'd probably regard yourself as quite lucky at the minute because if you look across all the real estate sectors at the minute during the pandemic and which have done better than others build to rent's been right at the top of the tree certainly in terms of rent collections you know plus 90 percent, i think across the industry Student accommodation obviously been probably a little worse affected, but I think that's probably a short-term problem, is it not, rather than a long-term problem? Yeah, I mean, when we look at build to rent, we do see one of the, the very, very few benefits to come out of COVID is that it might be an opportunity for build to rent to earn its spurs and really differentiate itself from, I guess, some of the other more traditional residential options for renters. And again, at sounding like a crack record but it is about that fostering community it is about that encouraging people to interact and and making a building more than just a building and making it home and making it a community i think on student accommodation undoubtedly there are operational difficulties pronounced difficulties which the whole sector is having to deal with and they are bespokely orientated around covid and the closing of universities that said ourselves as a house and we believe the wider investment market are able to look beyond that and there is good reason for optimism in the student accommodation space higher education in the uk is still absolutely you know a world leader and a a real asset to the country i think the sort of political um, headwinds that there were in terms of sort of international students have certainly lessened and there's a lot more encouragement from the government to support that side of it and i think in in terms of the sheer demographics you know the 18 to 21 year olds living in in the uk at the moment has been on a sort of downward decline for a number of years and next year is the first year that we start seeing an uptick in this and it will go on for a, a good number of years so i think overall the the midterm picture for student accommodation is very very positive and it's it's a sector that we look forward to continuing participating in Absolutely. So just coming back to the Watkin Jones business, obviously Richard Simpson joined as chief exec in January 2019. Uh, he's been there for a couple of years now. How do you think the business has changed since Richard joined? Well, I think Richard has had a huge impact on the business. and But as I said, I think it's sort of more been an evolution than a revolution. You know, we, we, we've taken big steps when we floated the business in 2016 and a lot of the 
the business has changed and and we've looked to evolve our processes and our working practices i think richard's come in with a very clear strategic direction and as i said the way we look at it is we were a very good contractor and then we've been a very good developer partnering with institutional capital and and that was our sort of middle phase and now we are really turning our attention to be absolutely at the forefront of the customer experience and and using customer insight to drive our developments going forward and i think that's a really important direction for our business to be going in so i suppose actually in a way you're fresh the sort of student accommodation management division which is understand it the sort of third largest operator platform in the uk do you think by having the management capability it's changed the way you develop the buildings that you're doing it must have benefited the way you look at your developments how you and what ultimately is going to be the customer experience yeah, undoubtedly. I think having an operational management arm within the business gives us a huge advantage. And we we look to utilize Fresh's insights across the whole spectrum of our development process. We look to liaise with them about the markets we're targeting and you know what those markets need. We look at the competitor analysis and understand really what the customers are wanting in those micro locations because often it is not a one-cap-fits-all process. I think in terms of the buildings we deliver, their insight is invaluable in in really telling us what the customers want. Where should we be deploying our our capital? You know, is it in common rooms? Is it in sky lounges? Is it in swimming pools? And again, it's trying not to be myopic about it and actually treat each each development as, as an individual. And yeah, their expertise is is fantastic to help us along that way. I think also just having that enduring exposure to a building once it's delivered is inc- incredibly important for us. It, it gives us that additional buy-in so that once we've we've rolled off site you know we've still got that connectivity to the site and and that desire to see that site perform well and then just staying with the sort of development side of it and looking at how you think that perhaps the the pandemic might have affected the way in which you develop your buildings and, and what you're providing how do you think that's changed when you're you know looking at your next scheme that you're going in for planning for is there anything that's changed you think as a result of the pandemic i mean the obvious thing as i see it is the reality is we're all working from home at the minute that's going to continue certainly for the foreseeable sort of next couple of months i mean in long term the reality is most people are going to do at least one or two days a week at home depending on the nature of their business have you looked at that in terms of the design of the developments and whether anything's going to change Yes, we have. And we're constantly trying to look at innovation and look at trends. And I would say that it's probably too early to to really garner true trends stemming from COVID. I think we're still right in the midst of it. So, you know, we don't want to make knee-jerk reactions. But in all honesty, I guess the the work from home, we'd kind of already recognised that as a logical direction for particularly build to rent um, and we'd started looking to adapt that into some of our buildings anyway so we've recently completed a building in Bournemouth for build to rent where we'd uh, equipped half a floor as effectively a business lounge you know rentable spaces very good internet connectivity a whole range of workstations to enable that sort of live work balance within a building so yes uh, we can see that trend continuing and, and it's a logical conclusion from covid and, and and the circumstances we find ourselves in but there, there'll be other trends emerge and it's our job to make sure that we're we're constantly assessing them yeah student accommodation we talked about it earlier actually in terms of international students and the effect that brexit may have on 
on the pull of international students because obviously one of the key things that, for example, the Far East market, particularly Chinese students, I mean, they come over to our universities because they realize the quality of the education they're going to receive. Do you think as a result of any changes to the market over the last year, whether that's going to affect the pull of international students or you still think that's going to still be a high proportion of the of the students who ultimately occupy buildings that you've developed? No, I mean, to date, we, we remain very confident in UK higher education and its pull to international students and we don't see that changing. And as we chatted about earlier, you know, I think government rhetoric has improved dramatically in terms it of has changed, you're right. w- welcoming the impact that international students can have on our, on our economy and and on our society so i think that's a real positive part of it you know clearly with us now leaving the eu and uh, our universities aren't able to offer the cheaper rates for education to eu students you know, clearly that will have some impact but if you look at the overall numbers of eu students that were studying in the uk they only made up about 6% of the student body and I think it's massively outweighed by the, the weight of international students who aren't able to get places at the moment. So we do believe that they'll balance each other out and we should still have a continued uh, demand from the international student bodies. A lot of real estate companies have held back during the pandemic to work out what is the best strategy going forward. And it seems to me there was an initial period in March, April last year where we really didn't know how things would play out. But it seems to me that and, you know, we've talked about it before in terms of your positive outlook on the built to rent and student markets, which has probably driven your strategy and literally you have been very active probably since last summer in terms of buying up sites, building up stock, going into planning and getting sites out and developed, which is a really positive tone, particularly at the minute. And is that because presumably your outlook on, on the markets is this is a long term play. There's been very little impact in terms of investor appetite. Presumably you're pretty positive about the sort of next six to 12 months. Yeah, I think one of the advantages we had as, as we headed into COVID was relatively recently when Richard joined the business, we'd undertaken a, a deep dive into all of the, the sectors that we were operating in. We'd really got under the skin of the demographics, the drivers behind them. And as such, when COVID did arrive, we, we had a huge amount of confidence in the underlying features of the markets and how they would perform when you have external shocks or when you have economic downturns. So that said, we did pause absolutely when when COVID hit. We wanted to really assess the outlook, the risk, you know, how the markets were perceiving it and also how our model was enduring it, how how we were set up as a business. And so we, we spent a good amount of time making sure that we were still fully functioning and we had good confidence in, in our cash flows and our, our abilities to progress. And during that time, we were very honest with the market as well. We didn't want to kid the market that we were active when we weren't. So we we made it very clear what we were doing. And I think people appreciated that. So when we did sort of get comfortable with exactly where we were as a business, and it, it wasn't too big a leap for us to then start really looking at the market and saying, well, how can we look to do more and, and capitalize on the land market, which was a little bit more subdued. And, and, and that's what we've been looking to do. And we're trying to do it in a very sensible way. We're we're trying to assess the markets on it, their merits and not, not necessarily just find the, the 50p and the pound deals. You know, they, they haven't really materialized anyway. So we're, we're putting the right levels of caution in our underwrites and, you know, we, we hope we're doing some sensible deals. Excellent. Just touching on built to rent in particular, you know, there's this mantra we hear coming out of the government, build, 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 which is all very well and good. 
But I think the rhetoric, actually, if you get down into the granular detail, and this year's Resi conference, which was a, a slightly different type of conference this year with Robert Jenrick, I mean, he talked about this Boris mantra of build, 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 and recognizing the central role of house building in the economy. Yet, I don't think at any point he mentioned the build to rent sector. And the government white paper didn't mention build to rent. And I think when uh, Mark Easton, the BBC guy, asked him about it, he thought it was some form of affordable housing. I mean, he didn't even really understand the concept of built to rent. I suppose the big concern that a lot of people have is, do we need to better educate the market, local authorities, government on what this built to rent product is? And that, that probably means all of us, you know, the, the developers, operators, advisors. What should we be doing, do you think, to better educate everyone about the built to rent product? Yeah, I think it was disappointing, obviously, to not not have the mention of build to rent. Um, that said, I mean, I think there has been huge steps in the right direction in terms of recognising build to rent as a an asset class in itself. And I think the simple fact we now have a an affordable product, discounted market rent, which actually will work for build to rent operators, is is a clear sign and acknowledgement this is a valid sector. But yeah, absolutely, I think we all need to pull together and and continue to demonstrate the real attributes that built to rent has as a sector you know i think the bpf do a fantastic job acting as that sort of champion for built to rent and they've been very influential in 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 trying to inform local authorities and 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 wider national governments of its real attributes Mm. and the fact is that we have had a housing shortage for a long time now and we've gone through you know a huge array of housing ministers looking to sort of solve this problem and it's our fundamental belief that build to rent can be a catalyst to increase house building in the UK you are able to deliver many more units in one go under a build to rent scheme than you are on sort of build to sale where they tend to stagger the release of the units and again we we do think there's a changing of the guard in terms of people's aspirations there's always going to be people who want to buy and have have their own home but the population is changing. It's becoming a lot more transient. People are looking to move away, travel, work in different cities, different locations, and they're wanting to be a lot more footloose. And, and built to rent is absolutely the disruptor in the residential market, which offers them, you know, I, I guess that sort of different way of living. I think you're right, aren't you? I mean, our generation, we probably think actually, you know, we want to own our own homes. But I think nowadays, I think younger people are looking at this very differently. They don't necessarily want to own their own home. They're very happy to rent, certainly for, you know, maybe the first sort of 10, 20 years of their career. So it's, uh, no, it's interesting times for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always the assumption that people are renting through necessity as opposed to renting through choice. And, you know, undoubtedly there are drivers towards the rental market. You know, it's, you know, mortgage availability is reduced. You know, people buy to let landlords have lost a lot of the sort of tax incentives that enabled them to sort of hold their bill to let properties. So there are push factors, but there are so we shouldn't you know, underestimate the pull factors. The fact that people can get a better quality of accommodation, they can gain a community, they can gain a better location all through renting as opposed to buying. And I think there's also an adjunct to student accommodation. A lot of these guys sort of coming through have spent their university days living in you know high quality, highly amenitized, highly serviced student accommodation blocks. And it's a bit of a strange journey to step backwards and, and, and rent something poorer when they're they're now in the sort of employment. So I, I think build to rent can carry on that narrative that student accommodation has started. Yeah, absolutely. Collaboration is always a big buzzword in our industry, particularly at the minute. I was interested to just hear a bit more about your partnership with 
Cranfield University? And how did that arise? And, and do you expect to enter into other partnerships to help regenerate aging campuses elsewhere in the UK? Yeah, I think working with universities in the UK is, is something that we have always done. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a really important part of our business. And we, we certainly hope to do more. I think, as you say, universities are still the predominant landlord in student accommodation in the UK, albeit that, you know, over the recent years, it has been the private providers who've really sort of taken up the mantra and, and delivered the beds. But universities do have huge stock holdings and a lot of them are aging and a lot of them aren't fit for purpose. And I think, you know, the universities have realised that student accommodation is an important part of their offering to their students and they are competing for students and they want to improve that offering. So absolutely there's there's opportunities for the likes of Watkin Jones to partner with universities and, and look to improve the offering for their students. Cranfield in particular we went through a, a competitive process. We, we had really good dialogue. We really respected what Cranfield wanted to achieve in terms of the product and the quality and the timeframes that they wanted to achieve it. And yeah, look, we, we, we went through that competitive process and ended up being successful and uh, delivering them sort of nearly 700 units. Yeah, that's excellent. I want you to do your best Mystic Meg now, uh, Alex. In five years' time, how do you think each sector will fare? Well, I'm I'm bound to be positive about both of them, but um, you know, <laughs> I, I, it, is, it is a genuine belief. I, I think you know, build to rent will really um, have you know found its legs and will be pushing on and will be you know a major contributor to sort of housing supply in in the UK. I think also on the build to rent side, people will start recognising that it is a different product and that there are key points of difference to build to rent to other residential provision and I think that will also be important in its sort of the catalyzing of the sector. I think student accommodation will continue to progress as I said I think we've got huge confidence in the underlying demographics in in, in the sector and and I think you know we will see some innovation you know we're currently you know very much looking at how we can create a better product and and be more in tune with exactly what the students want so yeah I I think both sectors will continue to uh, perform strongly. Nice to end on a positive note, particularly at the minute. No, thank you, Alex. Well, for now, let's wrap it up there, Alex. Really helpful, uh, really interesting, some of the points we touched on there. So I'd like to say thank you very much to you for joining me for this Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions podcast. I'm Ed Hughes Power, and do look out for the next episode in the series. The Digital Sessions are a series of online events, videos, and podcasts, all available at mishcon.com. And if you have any questions you'd like answered or suggestions of what you'd like us to cover, do let us know at digitalsessions at mishcon.com. Until next time, take care. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com.